Welcome to Money for the Rest of Us, a personal finance show on money, how it works, how to invest it, and how to live without worrying about it. I'm your host, David Stein, and today is episode 33. It's titled, To Retire Early, Mind the Gap. So a couple weeks ago, I got an email from Johnny. He's in his early 20s, and he said he became, has become obsessed with the idea of early retirement. And he wanted to show that we'd just go through some of the basic tenets of retiring early. Just something to show that, that it, it's possible and, and to, because he, he really wants to do it. And, and I thought in episode 19, I did an episode titled Live Like You're Already Retired. And I talked about the mindset you need to retire early. And I gave a definition for retirement was in my mind, retirement means being able to pursue or have the freedom to pursue activities that are inherently rewarding for their own sake. You do things because you enjoy them, not because of the money. Now, they may, might be paying activities, but ultimately you're choosing to do them for their own sake. And these are activities that, that make you happy. But I didn't really talk a lot about, well, how do you afford to do that? What, what's the, is there a formula for being early retired in terms of the how much you should earn on your investments, how much you sh- should spend, how can you ensure that your money lasts uh, throughout your early retirement? Now, last episode, Die Broke, we talked about this tool called an annuity that uh, a SPIA, Single Premium Immediate Annuity, which I talked about, a tool you could use if you're trying to die broke. But that doesn't necessarily apply. If, if you're in your 40s and you're retired, like I did, then you, you can't use an annuity. And so you have your nest egg that you have to have to sustain you and other income sources. What, 10 years ago, about 11 years ago, I went to London for the first time. And if you've traveled to London, one of the first things you'll, you'll notice, if, if you've not been there before, is as you get off the, the subway, uh, first off, hopefully when you go to London for this the first time, you fly in, you'll take the train into town and not do like I did and, and rent and take a taxi. Obviously, I... I was not there on my own dime. I didn't know. I took a cab that was really, really expensive, about $150, and, and really, really dumb. Take the train. But when you get off the train, you'll often hear this warning, mind the gap. And it's done in a, in a very polite way. But what they're referring to is that, that space between the train, as the door opens, and the train platform, there can be a space that if you're not careful, you could fall, twist an ankle, or, or worse. Mind the gap is something we need to do in our financial lives when we're retired. And what is the gap? The gap is the difference between an investor's annual return on their portfolio after inflation. So you have the return and you deduct that year's inflation rate. And, and that is called a real rate of return because it's net of inflation. So it's that real return, and then you su- subtract out the percent that was spent of the portfolio, the spending rate. So say 
The retiree's total return this year was 6%. Inflation that year was 3%. Six minus three would be a 3% real return. If the retiree spent 4% of their portfolio, then the gap would be negative 1%. That's the gap we're supposed to mine, negative 1%. Now, there's three assumptions there. One is the return. What is a reasonable rate of return to expect on, on your investment portfolio? And back in, gee, way back in lesson, I'm sorry, episode, trying to find it here. That was a while ago. What in, Episode nine, what investment rate of return can you ex- expect? I talked about what I thought were reasonable rates of return based on market conditions. And that, even though that was done way back, probably June or July of this year, it's still relevant. But I was really focusing not on here's what the returns I expect them to be, but how do you calculate that? It's important when you're retired and even as an early retiree to have reasonable return expectations. This past week, I was out at the farm meeting with the exterminator. It's winter out there. There's snow on the ground and a lot of snow at the time. And we had a few mice somehow sneak into the house. So I had the exterminator come out and and I'll, I'll spare you the details of, of what we did. But he had a question. He knew I was involved in investing. He likes investing. He said, what is a reasonable rate of return to expect from my investment portfolio? And then he threw out a number. Is it because he already had one in his mind? He had an anchor price. <laughs> he had an anchor return. If you go back to the episode 27, what is the right price? I talked about an- anchoring. Here was his anchor Is it 25 to 30 percent? 25 to 30% annual return a year. That was his anchor, what he thought was reasonable. He was looking for confirmation from me. Now, I can tell you the top-tier venture capitalists, when they go and they make an investment, their hurdle rate is 25 to 30%. But people like us, there, there is absolutely no way. And if you go back to that episode 9, you'll realize why that is. So I... I talked him down off this return expectation. He had bought a stock, GoPro, and made 85%. So I had in his mind, this is an everyday occurrence. Try 5 to 6%. If, if I'm an early retiree, I'm targeting, and I am an early retiree, I'm targeting 5 to 6%. Why is that? Well, I'm minding the gap. I'm minding the difference between my after-inflation return and my spending rate. And if I'm going to go gun and shoot for 10, 12% returns, I'm going to take a lot more risk and expose myself to more extreme events. And an extreme event like a large portfolio loss can completely undermine one's early retirement. Here's an example. Let's say early retiree is targeting a 6% annual return. Inflation expectation is 3%. 
and they start out spending 4% of their portfolio balance. So go back to our gap for, for formula. 6% minus 3% minus 4% would be a gap of negative 1%. But then that retiree increases the amount that they spend by the rate of inflation each year. And so the gap is progressively getting larger. By the 10th year of the retirement, they would be spending about 4.6% of their portfolio. So the gap would be negative 1.6%. After 20 years, on the 21st year, they're spending 6% of the portfolio. And so the gap is up to, if I'm doing the math right, would be negative 3%. So it keeps getting wider and wider. And that's typical for a retiree. Only endowments and foundations are able to maintain a gap of zero. And the reason why they do that is if your gap is zero, if your real rate of return equals your rate of spending, then the money should last forever and it will actually grow by the rate of inflation. So you continue to have the same philanthropic impact. And we've talked about that in earlier episodes, this concept of intergenerational equity. That's why foundations can last for many, many years. The Rockefeller Foundation was started 100 years ago. They continue to have an impact because their gap is zero. But the retiree don't have necessarily have that luxury, even an early retiree. So the gap can be negative. So Ben, going back to our example, 6% return, 3% inflation, spending 4% in the initial year of retirement, adjusting it by the rate of inflation every year. The gap progressively gets wider. The gap is negative 1.6% after 10 years. It's negative 3% after 20 years. In that 21st year, once you start spending 6%, that's, then you're higher than your nominal return each year. And so the principal value amount of your portfolio, the value starts to go down. When does it end? When you run out of money? In the 42nd year with those assumptions. And that's with a 6% annual return. What happens, though, if you lose 10% a year for the first two years? So somewhat extreme events. And then earn 7.3% for the rest of the time. If, if uh, You won't go through the math here, but if you lose 10% the first two years and then earn 7.3% a year thereafter, your annualized return over the life of your retirement is 6%, the same as in our first example, except the money only lasts 32 years instead of 42 years. That two years of negative 10% return cuts off 10% of, of the length of the retirement. And so, yeah, maybe you can shoot for a 15% return, but the reality is if you trip up and suffer large portfolio losses, that can completely undermine your early retirement. And that's really what's called a sequence of return problem. Now, I recognize that earning 6% a year, 5 to 6% a year, maybe you can't do that every year. Maybe there's some variability there. But the variability of targeting 5 to 6% and structuring a portfolio so you focus on the extreme and not the average, so you avoid those large losses, 
it's a much narrower potential range and less likely to have a significantly wide gap. If you only earn 5%, let's go back to the original example, start out spending 4%, inflation is 3%, and your annual return is 5%, in that case, the portfolio would still last 32 years. And so that, that's this whole concept of minding the gap. Because I, I can tell you, it's, in, in, it's really hard to imagine being retired for 30 or 40 years. What's that like? Just, I, I can't, I mean, I'm doing it, right? But it, I, can't, I can't comprehend that. All I, I, what I, but I can comprehend this year. What have I earned this year in my portfolio? We're up to November, my tax portfolio has done around 8%, so I'm ahead of the goal. My IRA is closer to 4.5% or so, so I, I still got a ways to go there And then in the next month. Hopefully December will be good. But that's my return. Inflation is running about 2%, so it, it, let's assume my total portfolio return is is seven percent this year, and inflation is two percent. Then we then the real return is five percent. Then it gets back to the spending rate. And as I look at my spending rate, I'm spending more than four percent right now. It's actually closer to five percent. And the reason for that is I sold my business and my former company still owes me money and they're paying me uh, over a a seven-year period of time. And so my portfolio is still growing and so I have a a wider gap than I would like, which gets back to to why I – and I don't want to go out and get a job, right, because I want to – be an early retiree and focus on the things that I find inherently rewarding. And one of the things I find inherently rewarding is teaching individuals how to invest, how the economy works, and and I like that. I like being able to share knowledge, to show individuals what I'm doing in the portfolio to not come in as this high and mighty expert saying, here's what I think is going to happen. Here I'm predicting the future. No. I'm invest on the leading edge of the present. Here's what I see is happening now. Here is how I'm reacting to it. Let me show you what I'm doing. What I don't like to do and don't want to do anymore is I don't want to actually invest other people's money. I don't want that pressure anymore. I've I lived with that for almost 15 to 20 years. I don't want to do that. So I'm launching an educational platform to help do that so that I can narrow my gap. I'm not going to try to make a ton of money. Mo- mainly what I'm trying to do, a short-term goal, is to offset some of my cost for to run this show, which go upwards of $25,000 a year. Now, that's not my hosting cost. Most of that is a number of the research services that I've used for well over a decade to manage money. And those those cost $20,000 plus because they're institutional services. And I've become so 
dependent on them in terms of the data that they're able to provide, not that I depend on what they tell me to do, but just the data and some of the models, I find them very, very helpful. And so, but that is minding the gap. It's that differential between your after inflation return and what you're spending. And the, the, so if you're going to retire early, the, the smaller amount you spend compared to that return, you want to keep it generally in your early years of retirement under 1%. It's probably not realistic. I mean, if you could keep it at zero, then your money will last forever. Most people won't be able to do that. If you keep it at 1% or less, then that money can last 40 years or more. Now, obviously, you have to adjust as inflation, if inflation gets over 3%. But it's not a 20-year problem. It's just focusing on this very year. What was your rate of return? What was inflation? What you're spending? I have a spreadsheet that I sent along with a video to members of the Insider's Guide, which you can sign up for at moneyfortherestofus.net. And if you sign up this week, I'll send you a link to this video and the spreadsheet. And the, I have to combine the two because it'll show, all right, here's how the gap works. And you can kind of play around with the numbers. If you earn this rate of return, inflation is this much. Here's what I'm spending. Here's the gap. How many years does the portfolio last? It's a simple spreadsheet, simple tool. I'll do a screencast, show you how to do that. You can get that by signing up for the Insider's Guide at Money for the Rest of Us. Net. Other than that, go ahead and email me if you have questions on this concept or other suggestions for future topics. You can email me, jd at jdavidstein.com. You can also contact me via Twitter, at jdstein. Again, just circling back, the Money for the Rest of Us hub, you can go check out the platform. I've structured it so you can actually preview all the content. You can see what's on there. You can see what topics are being covered. So you can see if this is something of interest to you, that's at moneyfortherestofushub.com. Everything I share with you in this episode is for general education only. I've not considered your specific risk profile. I've, only prov- I've not provided investment advice, simply education on money, the economy, and investing. Have a great week. <laughs>